Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. Well, today's episode, we're going to be talking about after-school programs uh, as they relate to forest education. After-school is a really cool program model to get kids out into nature and to introduce them to a number of different kinds of skills and crafts and activities. And it has some advantages and it at the same time, it also has some restrictions as well. So it's something that oftentimes if you're, if you're really motivated to kind of do your immersive program where you're like taking the children to a park or to a farm and you're immersing them for, you know, five hours in a natural environment where they can wander and do all kinds of stuff, then oftentimes after school programs are not always as appealing because it's a little bit like you're going into their school and you have to deal with, you know, the cinder block walls and the fluorescent lights and you have the kind of overall school structure that you have to kind of deal with as you go in. And it can be kind of intimidating to do that. And it also at the same time is just not the same. So if you can let go of thinking about your ideal of what you'd like it to be and just really look at what it is, it, it, it's very helpful. And I actually started with Hawk Circle an after-school program where we were invited to be part of a grant that went to, at one point, it was like 18 different local schools in three counties. It was run through a New York State grant that was part of a federal grant, and it was a combination of a number of different partners and teachers. And so we kind of got rolled into that whole group And we had to come up with, I had to kind of create a lot of curriculum in a short period of time to basically to give children meaningful experiences that involved nature and leadership and self-esteem building and, you know, decision-making and creative thinking and, you know, a number of different uh, objectives. So I did that. And we got into those grants and we were in there for about 16 years, I think I want to say. But it was a really interesting experience because we got to take some curriculum, an idea that we had, and then we would go to a school and then we and do that curriculum and then we'd go to another school. And it, it was typically between 12 children and 20 children at every single school. And when we would go there, you got to see, did this activity work? You know, how did it work? How well did it work? How easy was it to get the kids into it? How hard was it? Uh, How many of them finished? There was a lot of ways you could measure your metrics, so to speak, or to evaluate the, you know, various elements of your program. And we had usually six to eight times at each school over the course of a year. And they had other programs at the same time that were running artists and other organizations were running programs. So, Ours was just one of many. And we were consistently the number, voted the number one favorite by the children every year. I mean, I'm not exactly sure 100% why, but kids really loved when we came in and did our thing because there were other programs that did really cool things too. So 
I'm only laying this down as a background to tell you how I kind of came into it. You know, I kind of had a certain prejudice is too strong a word, but I had kind of an idea of what I thought it would be. And it turns out it was different. And it turns out that we were able to have a really wonderful outcome and impact on those children through our activities going in. So one of the advantages of an after-school program, no matter what it looks like, is that you are going in and the children are already there. So you don't have to actually go get the children, talk to the parents, deal with, you know, kind of getting them to sign up and registration and everything else. They're already there in school. And so you're just coming in and providing and doing your thing. And if there were, you know, nine kids in a program and then uh, next time there were 16 because there was, you know, basketball season's over or whatever, it didn't really matter, you know? So it, it wasn't something I had to keep track of. So it was really wonderful doing after school programs like that because I didn't have the logistics to it. So that is one of the positives. Uh, another element of after school that is at the same time, maybe a I don't want to say negative isn't the right word, but, but you are restricted due to the environment. So in other words, I'm not able to do wood carving because, you know, you can't have knives in school. And we were not able to, say, have a campfire. Uh, there was actually one school that did have a little outdoor lean-to in the backyard behind the soccer field. And they had a little fire pit and they had an Adirondack lean-to that the children had made like 10 or 15 years ago with a really outdoorsy uh, science teacher. It was awesome. And we could do some things there. But most schools, you aren't able to do some of those things that I used to like to do. So we had to really adapt our activities. And we had to basically say, all right, we can't use knives. What can we use? So we couldn't, we could use clippers. We could use uh, hand clippers. Those are awesome. Um, so in other words, if we were working on willow, you know, making willow hoops and then making some little art art with willow, you could use clippers instead of a knife, which was worked out just, just fine. And we could use scissors to cut string. And we could also use stone tools where we could use like sharp rocks to scrape the bark off sticks and things like that. And that was really fun. Um, we did, I had to kind of back up and go, all right, well, maybe we can't like carve, you know, go out in the woods, cut some trees, come back branches, then come back and make walking sticks. But I could go and get branches and bring a bundle of them in. And then they could scrape the, you know, the walking stick with these stones and make cool patterns on it. They could sand it. They could make a walking stick. We just couldn't do some of those elements to it just because we didn't ha really have that much time. And I had to just do a lot more prep for it. So yes, it wasn't it, the full experience, but that's okay. And the children loved it. And so I felt like in a way we were really going back to a very, very basic level of putting, you know, putting together skills and programs that children could do in an hour and a half to two hours. The one trick or piece that I had, I learned very quickly with after school is that the children in an after school program have been being talked to by adults for hours and hours and hours, whatever that is, eight hours or seven hours or nine hours, whatever they were there. They've been there and they've been in school and being supervised by adults 
under pretty tight conditions for many of them. And so the amount of time that I had to get them engaged was only about, I would say, between four to seven minutes. If I went over seven minutes in my program description or, you know, hey, here's our activity, here's what we're going to do. If I started going on and on and on, the kids would just kind of get restless. Next thing you know, one of their leaders would get upset and go, you guys are being rude to Mr. Sierra. And then they would just be like, we're all going to be in a timeout. And I'd just be like, oh no, you're taking time away from my activity. And (laughs) I don't really mind if they talk a little bit, but I learned that basically bad things happen if you talk too long and try to really go into a whole lot of depth. You can go into depth, you just can't do it in the first seven minutes. So what I learned was if I was beading necklaces or if we were making cordage or if we were using stone tools or if we were doing woodcraft or any kind of art project or whatever, I had to jump and get into it very, very quickly and get everyone on stage one and show them what was happening. I also learned that if it was if it was slightly more complicated, you know, than something pretty easy, many of the children would get very, very stressed out because, you know, it's it's okay to work on crafts and, and kind of struggle in like a summer camp because you you're staying in the cabin with everyone, you're getting to know them pretty well, and you can you learn to feel safe with them. So then therefore if you try to make a fire and it doesn't work or you try to, you know, make a basket and it's you're struggling you're able to feel emotionally safe so you don't have to worry about getting teased or or maybe not feeling good enough. But that's not the case in a public school setting, usually. Most of the time, children will have an increase of anxiety if they're not able to get some positive result that looks good fairly quickly. So, and and they at least they need to feel like it's going to be good. So, I had to really dial back my expectations a little bit and figure out what what would work and be successful and have the kids all be really happy and they could complete the whole thing and I didn't have to make anybody miss the bus or whatever and that if when I did that it was really good when I when I whenever I did something that took a little longer or was more stressful Oftentimes there would be one or two children who would just maybe have a little bit of a meltdown because they just been in school all day. They're trying really hard to do good at all the things, you know, to do a great job at math and, and listen and not get yelled at and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden to just be here for Huck Circle and they're all excited. And then to feel like, oh, my, my craft is coming out lame. And it just, it's just like tips them over the edge. And luckily, it's not a lasting thing because, you know, they have these little issues from what I would understand from talking to the teachers that, that are in the program. They're like, yeah, this happens almost every other day. So that it's, it's, not, it's a normal thing, but I just don't want them to have to feel that way in my program. So I really tune it back and make something that they can be very successful at. So in looking at after school activities, you have to just Think about how long will it take to do your activity, especially for us, because we only had eight times. 
and we didn't always we didn't always come in like a succession. We didn't go like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Usually we would go, okay, we're coming on a Tuesday, and then we'd wait for a week and come to the next Tuesday. And then, you know, so it would take like two months to do eight, eight visits. And if one of those days was a snow day, or if it was a teacher conference day or something else, or for whatever reason school wasn't in session, then you would have to reschedule. So it could get, it gets a little chaotic. And I found that it was really helpful to just have each activity be something uh, complete and in, in and of itself and be able to take something home with them and feel good about themselves. So as I'm doing after school activities as well, I'm also, once everyone's engaged, that's when I start to work my storytelling magic. That's when I start asking questions. I will try to communicate with them by sometimes telling a story. So I might say, hey, when I was driving down to get to your school, I, I noticed all the trees are turning colors. Have you guys been noticing that? Is This is just beautiful. It's what a wonderful year it is, right? And they would either agree or they'd be like, whatever. And then I would add something else. And I would say, hey, so what, what shows are you guys watching? Do you guys watch TV or no? You know, and then they would go, yeah, or maybe they'd say no, or, you know, you, you basically get to see what things they care about and what are issues that they're, um, you know, just, it's not really present in their world. And so we kind of would go through that. I would ask some of the children, like, is, do any of you guys have dogs? Do you have a cat? Does any of you live on a farm? Like, I would just try to get them to share. And then I would say, so tell me what, what's your farm like? Uh, what kind of dog do you have? You know, like, uh, how, do you have any brothers and sisters? So I could have these great conversations, which really helped them to understand that I cared about them, that I wanted to know about them and that they, you know, they were more than just a kid in a program where I just have to come in teach my thing and leave. And so it helped me to establish a little bit of safety with them and to, you know, have a sense of humor and to really enjoy. And, and I really like to be very positive. So I was just constantly, I mean, not, not a hundred percent constantly, because obviously then that it makes praise meaningless, but I would look at some of these and just go, man, what a great job you're doing. That looks really good. What do you guys think? Does that look cool? And then I would say to someone else, you're doing a good job. And then there'd be, I'd point to somebody, you know, or who's also doing something, but doing it in a different way and say, man, I, I didn't ever think to do that the way you're doing it. That's really nice. So I would do that sporadically throughout my programs. And everything about it was about how to help them be feel emotionally safe and try to do that in 45 minutes to an hour and try to help them, you know, connect in some way with either talking about their feelings or talking about what's going on in school or talking about, you know, the new Star Wars movie or whatever they felt very strongly about. And to just help them be able to go home and say, hey, I did this cool thing in the after school program and I'm really, really excited. Look what I did. And that really was the goal of my program. And each actual activity would also have some different like specific goals that would, you know, also be present. But to be really honest with you, once I established why I did what I did and what our goals and program uh, philosophy and objectives were, uh, most of the staff uh, who were there, they don't really care. Like most of those teachers, they're tired too. They've been up early in the morning. They got up at six. 
They showed up at school. <laughs> They've been doing stuff. They're, they're tired. They're wiped out. They're cranky. So they're just like, oh, thank God. Hawk Circle's here. Hey, good luck. Here you go. <laughs> here are the kids. They're in the cafeteria. And I'm just like, all right, you know, oh, you're in the gym. Okay, we go to the gym. And all right, we take them and go outside or whatever. And they are just happy to let you do your thing. And because of the children are really excited, it makes everybody's job a lot easier. One element that I would want to add is that many times, this was something really new to me that I didn't, I didn't expect to happen. And I, and so it was a surprising thing, but oftentimes when I would have teachers who would be sitting in my class who were, you know, being paid to be there and just make sure that everything's going smoothly. And they would often say, Oh, can I make a stone necklace? Hey, can I, can I do whatever you guys are doing? And I would say, sure, let's do it. And I can't tell you how many times I'll sit down with a bunch of children and they each have like a stick, just a, you know, maybe a two foot long piece of wood that of a piece of, of a sapling that I cut on my way down, you know, or in our backyard or something. And they would, she would sit down we'd have a big canvas drop cloth and they, we would just start scraping, scraping the bark off these sticks and talking about stone tools and about native people and how the native Mohawk original people were here 700 years ago, 900 years ago. They had lived here for thousands of years and they didn't have any tools. So they had to make, make all their tools. And so we'd talk about that, but at the same time, we also were just scraping away. And sometimes it's just nice to sit and just work on something and not have to think, you know, just to listen to me babbling in the background and just be like seeing the pleasure of that bark kind of scraping off with that stone. And then those teachers would jump in and I, I, you know, almost, almost at least like five or six times a season, one of the teachers would say something like, I came into the classroom to see how everyone was doing. And this group, I, it was like, it was like I had never seen these kids before. They were all engaged they were helping each other. They were passing each other sandpaper. They were being positive and, you know, speaking well of each other. They were quiet. They were engaged and working and focused. I have never seen those kids ever in that state in, in the last three months or six months or whatever. And they would kind of come to me afterwards and be like, what the heck are you doing? And I was just like, we're scraping a stick with a rock. And, and I, of course, I'm bringing certain kinds of rocks and I'm bringing certain kinds of sticks and I'm also bringing, you know, uh, safety gear and a first aid kit and, and, and a big canvas drop cloth to keep the place clean and all that. But doing that, you know, like they didn't think to do that. And, it, and, you know, it just never would occur to them to do something so simple. And in fact, honestly, even I probably almost never would think that that would be as engaging, to be honest. But it would just be, make me feel so good that they were really happy and seeing those children because I never, I don't see those children when they're not with me. So I don't know whether they're acting crazy or, you know, struggling or having their breakdowns and stuff. So I would do that all the time. You know, I'd have these experiences back and forth. So if you go and you work in an after school program, that may happen. And if that does, that's a really good thing just because it lets you, gives you an idea of a, and an affirmation that some of the things we're doing are very positive. And I mean, let's see, we did this for 16 years in 18 local schools. So let me just tell you that when I go grocery shopping, 
you know, 35, 40 minutes from my house and I stop in somewhere, or if I'm just whatever at the movies or shopping someplace else, there will oftentimes be somebody who'll come up to me who's like 17 and it'll be a boy or, or, or a young, a young man, or young woman. And they'll come up and they'll go, mom, this is Ricardo Sierra. He taught us about the ways of the wild. <laughs> and, and they're like 17 years old. And they're just like, you taught us, you know, for four years and I, we learned all these cool things. And then the mom would come up and her eyes would just get all bright. And she would just be like, I have heard so many stories about you. And I would just be like, uh, trying to remember what those kids' names are. And I'll be honest, if there's 18, if there's 18 schools and I'm seeing 20 kids at every school, I don't remember their names. So I would just go, Hey, didn't you have like a red sweatshirt with a hood on it and a lifeguard thing on it? Didn't you have that? You're that kid, right? And she's like, yes, that's me. And I'm like, okay, I never forgot your name, but blah, blah, blah. And she'd say, my name's Samantha. And it was awesome. So I just want you to know, like, I remember like who they were in the program, but not necessarily face and names uh, in that way. Anyway, the parents really appreciate the work that we did and, and the teachers as well. And so it was a really, uh, I, I just, I would encourage you to at least just be open to the idea. If anybody asks you, can you do an, an, an after school program, be aware that there's a value there, both programmatically and everything else. The one thing I'm going to add though, to this is when you're, you know, there's an, there's the, there's the program model. And then there's also the administrative or business model. So one of the problems that you have when you do an after-school program and you're going in and you're just, you know, you're showing up and you're being there for a certain number of hours, the more times you go to that school, like if you go for the entire, you know, to just to one school and you're there all day, every day, typically you get paid by the hour. You like, like the other staff that are there. And therefore, you don't typically make that much money. If you're doing an activity like what I'm talking about, a forest school type experience, then it's really important that you see it as you're coming in and you're not just working in the for in their after school program, but you're coming in and bringing a very specific kind of programming. And so, it for us it was called the Hawk Circle Adventure Program, and it was you know it was laid out as there were there were actual pedagogical uh reasons why we were doing it the way we were doing it so there was a there was an underpinning of you know real substance to it that was tied to many of the elements that go along with um you know mental health and you know drug abuse prevention and education and so forth so there was there was an underpinning of things that were very substantive and we were tied to some of those subjects and presentations. We just did it in a different way. Like we didn't talk about self-esteem and why self-esteem is important. We just built their self-esteem by doing activities that they really loved and that, that they feel good about themselves. That's one of the reasons why we got paid um, more to do a shorter program within that. So the other thing I would mention too, is that if you're creating a program like what I'm talking about, and say you you want to put something together and you say, I'm going to come, you know, for the entire semester and I'm going to come, you know, once a week or twice a week or whatever it is. Look at the number of classes, look at all that, and then think about 
Think about your travel time. Think about getting all the materials you need to bring stones and all the stuff you're going to have to put in your car and then drive there and then drive back. It really isn't a part-time job. It's really something where you're going to start getting ready at like 11 o'clock. You're going to leave at 1230 and then you're going to drive and you're going to get to the school at 230 or 3. And then the kids are going to show up and then you're going to work pretty intensely till 5 and then they're all going to trickle out or leave by the bus or, you know, they'll get picked up by their parents. And then you're going to clean everything up, check in with the teachers, make sure everything, you know, how did it go, blah, blah, blah. And then you're getting in your car and you're driving back. And, you know, in the wintertime, you're in the dark and you get back at like seven o'clock or whatever, depending on how far your school is. Some of our schools are like two hours away. So it does take up a very significant chunk of time. It's not a part-time experience. Therefore, it's okay to charge, you know, $200, $300 for that program if that program is grant-driven and it can afford it and it wants that feature to be part of it. Uh, they talked for a while. Sometimes they would say, hey, Ricardo, could you charge less for the program? What if we gave you less money and blah, 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 and you came more often or whatever? And I was like, I don't have time to come more often because we're maxed out with all these visits and we have other programs we're doing as well. So they would just say, well, you know, well, you know, I don't know. And I would just go, well, we can just not come if you don't. And they were like, no, no, <laughs> your program is one of the highest rated. This is the reason why kids even sign up for our program is because they know you're coming and you're going to be there, even if it's just seven times or eight times. It was a big feather in their cap to get us into their school. So I had a better bargaining position than me coming up and kind of having my hat in my hand and saying, please, could I maybe get in front of your kids and I'll do it for a peanut and a, an acorn and a, you know, a magic feather or something. I'm not begging them. It's the other way around. They're like, oh man, we need, we need Hawk Circle. So to get into a school, it really helps to be a nonprofit because now you're being seen as, oh, here's Ricardo Sierra. He's the executive director of the nonprofit. Then it, it carries a little bit more weight when you go in and you present to the PTA or the PTO, the parent teachers organization, or if you're going in and sitting in with a group of like superintendents uh, of all the local schools, you know, that's a pretty, you know, intense meeting because there's the heads of all these schools and they make, they make all the decisions around the financial decisions and everything else. And so it's really helpful to get to know them at, at that executive level. So to get into a school and to establish a relationship, I mean, we probably made, I don't know, I want to say around $30,000 $30, a year for 15 years, maybe, maybe a little bit more. We got paid really, really well by this grant and we worked really hard and we delivered a really good program. And it was a consistent thing that happened year after year after year. So yes, I did have to go talk to all the partners. I had to go to meetings. I had to write up descriptions. I had to do a lot of behind the scenes uh, foundational building to get this to fly. But once it did, it was it sustained our budget a lot. It, it really helped to help our seasonal summer camp and, and school programs with this constant just help with cash flow because it was just something that was fairly steady it also was kind of a pain because i had to train staff to do it and then you know put send them on their way and and they would like stay at our farmhouse and then go and and do all that work and i i did do a lot of like help with them to pre help them prep and everything to make their life a little easier 
you know, and doing the, all the scheduling and all of the other stuff, you know, the kind of payment and, and record keeping and everything else, that was a kind of a pain, but it was definitely worth it. And so I, I just want to mention that, that this after school model is something that is, is worth experiencing or, or exploring if you can. Uh, one more thing I'll, I'll mention, and this is a model I didn't use, but sometimes if you live in a city, you can run an after school program and, you know, you can find, if you can find a place that is, you know, open to letting you have that, maybe it's at the boys or girls club, maybe it's at the YMCA, but you can sometimes run a program or at the library or whatever, but you can sometimes run a program where kids from all different schools can show up and be there for an hour, hour and a half, a couple times a week. If you have, if you live in a real urban area and you can get the word out to all the families. It's a little bit tricky if you don't actually work in a school or those schools and have a way to reach the children and the parents who are the decision makers. So, and you're going to get a different level of scrutiny. You know, once we passed all of our background checks and we were part of this other umbrella organization, we didn't have that scrutiny. Whereas if you're doing it and they don't know you, you're going to have to get all the parents to like kind of sign off and go, yep, I feel okay. I feel good. We like who is in charge. We like what's going on. So if you're someone who is like more of an instructor who is working in different summer camps or different outdoor programs, you can still sometimes get into after school programs or, or develop something. You may have to start at like a private school and say, hey, I'd be happy to run this. This is what I've been doing at other programs. I'd like to bring that here. You know, I could help fill some time. This could be a feather in your hat. And it would mean that all your teachers, you guys would maybe be a little bit less tired. You wouldn't have to worry about being involved in it. And sometimes private schools will go for it. Uh, and they will also want to vet you, make sure that you have, that you're checked out. But then once they check you out, sometimes that works out really well. The only downside will be that sometimes you'll go into a private school, run a program that's really awesome. You'll run it for a year or two years. You'll do a great job. You think everything's going great. And then somebody at the school goes, why are we giving him all this money? And, or having the parents give him all the money. Why don't we just do, we can do what they're doing. We'll just do it ourselves. And when they do that, then all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're going to let you go and we're going to do it ourselves. And so then they kind of take over your program and then they start making the money from it and you're like on the outside looking in. And if that happens, then you are potentially in a situation where, I mean, sometimes they'll turn around and want to hire you back when they realize that they don't really know what they're doing. That's one element. And the other element is if you're not showing up, oftentimes they're like, what? Who's running the program? The math teacher? Heck no, I'm not going to be signing up for that after school program. So, so the, it can fail. It can blow up in their face. And all of a sudden they're going to call you in October and go, Rick, can you come in and, and, and bail us out? And if you do that and that happens, then hey, more power to you. You're like, okay. Um, another way to solve that might be to actually so, uh, sign a, you know, one of these like non disclosure slash, um, not do not you know non-competing agreement where they agree that if they hire you and you do all this stuff that they say all right they cannot hire or they cannot run that program without you for a period of three years uh after if you decide to go different ways 
it is hard to enforce. It is tricky. So just know that it can be a little bit tricky to kind of build those relationships. And even if you build a really good relationship with someone who's the director, that person may not be the director the next year. So fair warning. The last thing I want to add to this after school equation is also the idea of the fact that when you do an after school program in a school, especially if it's a public school and it's a grant driven experience, or if it's being paid by, uh, you know, the public school has funding or whatever, the, there is something really nice about working with children who ordinarily would not be able to participate in a program that you typically would run because their parents just don't have the income to be able to get you, you know, to sign their children up for, you know, a one-day workshop or a summer camp or whatever. So it's really nice to give them the experience and many of them really, really appreciate it. And they're, they just, you can see them thrive um, because they're, they're children that many times are not going to, you know, just have the luxury of that of the benefit of getting to work with someone and do this kind of, you know, craft and, and self-esteem building and leadership and all that. And so that's really a big benefit. And another piece I guess I'll also add is that when you do this work and you do it consistently, it does attract attention. Like the, the teachers know that Hawk Circle does really good work. The parents of these children see the difference. And so it it builds your standing in a community because they see the results of that. And one thing that helped us was that after we did this for, you know, two years or three years, they oftentimes would say, hey, you know what? We have a little bit of money left over in the grant. Would you be willing to do a summer camp for a week with some of our children and run a program, you know, here, you know, at here at one of the schools or one of the um you know, in a local town or like they, they would just basically go, we want you to do more work with them. Can you do that? We see the value of this. And it's really nice to have that option. We weren't able to do a lot of summer camps because we have our own camps, but it's something that you will see the benefit of in the long run the, of helping you to establish your presence in the schools in a way that is not the same as just endless Instagram promotional posts or, or whatever. There, there are people that are actually say, saying, wow, you know, you're getting real time, real in real life, a lot of good buzz, as they say. So those are all really cool factors. I, I definitely believe in the power of it. Uh, if you're someone that just is like, oh, I don't like the fluorescent lights. And, you know, I mean, uh, it is hard. Sometimes teachers are snapping at kids and you know, they're struggling to control the groups or it is a different environment. Let's just put it this way. It's not always easy to see what that is. If you're someone that's really sensitive and you want your program to have a certain feeling and then you go there and you're in this public school where it's just a different system and it takes, it's an adjustment. And so if you're someone like that, that just says, Hey, I'm not going to do well in that, then by all means, you know, skip the public school and go to a, an environment that's good for you. But if you're, you're someone that is like, you know what, I want to really work with these children and I want to go where they are and help them right now, then 
after school might be a really good way to for you to do that. So shoot me any questions if you like. If you have questions about, you know, other elements of that, if you're really interested, check out my uh, forest educator program. I do talk about this model at more depth and I do have some different ways that I could coach you if you're looking to develop something. So I'm looking forward to hearing more from all you listeners to hear what you're doing out in the world and what types of people you're working with and what kinds of results you're getting and, you know, how is it going and where are your challenges. So please drop me a line on our, on our website, forestededucator.com, and just let us know. Let me know what you're doing. How's it going? In the meantime, get out in the woods, get outside, hang out by the campfire. I hope you're having a great year. And thank you, as always, for all the work you do to help us create a new nature paradigm. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.